Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, a podcast where we dig deeper into what it looks like to live a life where in the end, all that matters is God and people. Each week, we will have candid and authentic conversations about how every day brings a fresh beginning and that the best is yet to come as we work together to help fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. Now, here's our host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Robert sitting here with Chad. Chad, just out of curiosity, which which video is this so far today that you've recorded? If you had to add them all up, what number are we at right now? Of podcasts? Of all videos that you've made. So you pre-recorded a message. Oh, how many videos have I done today? Today. 738. <laughs> I think probably legitimately eight videos. It's it's Christmas season. How many am I? Yeah, probably eight. Okay. So, and and I just ate lunch. So we have no idea what's going to happen in this podcast. <laughs> I'm really excited for how raw. So on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I feel like I'm the president of the United States because I just go from one meeting to another and people are telling me where to go and what it's about and what I'm supposed to say now. And here, you know, you're in front of this camera talk. And there are moments when I talk to my assistant, I'm like, you know, I might have to go to the restroom today. You're like an episode of 24. You're Jack it, Bauer. It feels that way at times. <laughs> but yeah, I've... Uh, I've talked a lot today already. There's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth in this episode. Excellent. Well, I'm excited for that. Let's start with... Uh, I hope they got the bleep thing in place in what, case uh, I slip. Typically, what song gets stuck in your head? You, you tend to just sing out a lot. What are, what are What are some of the most, <laughs> like, these stick with you all the time and, and you sing them often? You too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's <laughs> in my mind today. I think it's the last thing I heard this morning. I got to the office about 6.15 this morning and it was playing on the stereo when I got out of my car. Um, I know that's not a worship song. Please forgive me. Um, lately, uh, it's I'm a I've become a Coulter Wall fan. Okay. Uh, if you like coffee, puppies, America, <laughs> or life in general, you'll like <laughs> you'll like Coulter Wall. I went fly fishing in Montana, and the the guide that was there is a college student and a little bitty dude with a big old hairy beard, and his name's Jason, and he and I have become friends. We actually, you know, we'll message each other on, on Instagram, but, uh, he was playing this guy, Coulter Wall and, uh, Coulter Wall is like a modern day Johnny Cash. Uh So he tells stories. He's only 25, but he's got this old sounding, deep, rich voice. And I've become a huge Coulter Wall fan. So lately I'm walking around Coulter Walls playing in my head. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I just, Figured that everybody, was totally random. Everybody wanted to hear that. Well, last year it was every song from A Star Is Born because you would just randomly start singing that all of 2019. I feel like 2020, Coulter Wall's been your jam. So. Yeah, well, part of loving my wife last year was knowing all about <laughs> A Star Is Born and knowing those songs. So yeah. Let's talk about the Bible. Let's do that. All right. So this week we're talking about Joseph. And Joseph is really, there's not a ton written about Joseph. We know a little bit about him. Uh, we know his genealogy. And we know the story of, so he's betrothed to Mary. And there's a couple Josephs in the Bible. So sometimes people are like... Betrothed. Good which, word, Robert. Hey, thanks. You know, I looked it up right beforehand. But sometimes people confuse the Josephs because there's Joseph in the Old Testament. There's Joseph in the New Testament. There's well, Joseph of Arimathea. One time we were doing a series on Joseph in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. this is like Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat yeah. and that whole deal. And we called it uh, Fortunate Son. That's, that's actually one of my favorite series. That it was, was a really series. cool intro on that series. Yeah, we had a guy every week write a new song about that part of Joseph's life. You, you, you can look it up. I think it's still online, Fortunate Son. But I remember like the third or fourth week of the series, 
I'm standing on the patio at one of our campuses and uh, the guy comes up to me and says, man, I'm loving this series. I'm like, great. He's like, I, I can't wait. When does he meet Mary? <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's the sequel. And he's like, Joseph, right? When, when did he meet Mary? I didn't know he went to prison. I didn't know the deal with, you know, Potiphar's wife. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know, you know, about the baker and the candlestick maker. I mm-hmm. mean, he's just throwing all this stuff out there. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm trying to like love the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody belongs at Sun Valley. You don't have to know anything to, to come and, and be loved on and be part of us. But uh, I was trying, and I just looked at him, I go, oh, dude, there's, <laughs> there's a few Josephs in the Bible. Yep. You're thinking of a different Joseph, right? We're, we're, we're like hundreds and hundreds of years before. So anyway, sorry, to tell that story. So now we're clarifying. We're talking about the Joseph who is betrothed and eventually marries Mary, the mother of Jesus. Christmas Joseph. Yep. And we're talking about interruptions. And, and he's one of these guys that we, we tend to not think a ton about at Christmas time. Sure, he made it into the nativity scene on your, you know, countertop or whatever, but uh, we tend not to think about him a lot. He's in an incredibly difficult position. If if you put yourself in Joseph's shoes and you really think about what's going on. So he's, so you have kind of three stages to, to marriage. You had engagement and that's parents kind of working out, arranging, whatever. And now you have betrothal, which is usually like a year and it's, it's contractual, like you have to get a divorce to get out of, of being betrothed. And then there's marriage and you're, you're wed. So they're right there. I mean, this thing is, the contract is signed. It, it's a done deal. You guys are going to be married. Now it's in that betrothal stage. And Mary's like, hey, I'm pregnant. But it's okay. I've it's been a faithful. Miracle. Everything's yeah. okay. And, uh, and just, just talk through what that would have meant for Joseph, especially in this day and time, and, and what that means for a guy in this culture. He's got a tough decision to make at this point. And, and he's, there's a few different decisions he could make. Yeah. Someone come at this from left field. Bring it. So I'm going to get there, but I'm going to start out there. Okay. Okay. I trust you. So yesterday I'm hiking with a friend of mine. And I don't know why, but the movie, the movie uh, Dead Poets Society came up and he was talking about, oh, I love that movie. And um, I, I don't know why it came up. But anyway, I said in that conversation, the thing about that movie, Dead Poets Society, is it really shows the power of fatherhood. Because it's a brilliant movie. It was also a very sad movie. Mm-hmm. So spoiler, 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 yeah, spoiler alert. It's hard to say. Spoiler alert, um, one of the main characters commits suicide at the end of the movie, which is horrible and very sad. But he does that because his father is so powerful mm-hmm. and he really won't let him live his own life. He wants to be an actor. His father wants him to be a doctor, lawyer, something mm-hmm. like that. And then you have this other father figure in the movie who's Robin Williams, mm-hmm. who is telling him, live your dream, mm-hmm. right? And then his biological father is just crushing it. And so you see just the power of fatherhood, you know, and that, and that tension. And what crossed my mind on the drive home, we were hiking at South Mountain after having this conversation about Dead Poets Society. What must it have been like for Mary and Joseph to tell their families? Mm-hmm. Just knowing the power of fathers. Yep. Um, in that society, the father, the patriarch was everything. And to dishonor, because it was an honor culture, mm-hmm. uh, we don't understand honor culture in America. Um, perhaps if you're from uh, a different background, you, you mm-hmm. do. I have a friend that's Asian who very much understands honor culture. Mm-hmm. 
but you don't disappoint the family. Yeah. And you don't disappoint dad. And so I just had this really sober minded, oh man, it would have sucked to Ben, Joseph, and Mary in this situation because their families would have known about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, well, I had a dream. God told me it was okay. Well, I had a dream. God told me I was pregnant, even though nothing's happened. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Massive interruption, massive disappointment on the part of your immediate family. They're try- probably trying to hide it from the extended family. Um, yeah, just the power of family pressure. We don't read a lot about that in scripture, but no doubt it was, it was there. Mm-hmm. So Joseph, and the Bible says he's, he's honorable, right? So he's not, he's not a jerk. He's a good guy. He's, you know, as good as a guy can be. And, uh, and, and he's going to divorce her quietly. Yeah. That's his plan is like, Hey, I'm not going to make a big scene. I'm not going to make a big deal. We're just going to quietly separate part ways. And then he, he has a dream and an angel says, she's not lying to you. Yeah. So Joseph is saying, I don't want to ruin her reputation, Mm -hmm. but I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Uh, because she would have been young, uh, there already would have been an agreement, and it would have been in the realm of adultery mm-hmm. uh, in his mind mm-hmm. uh, before you know the final vows were made. And so he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm out." Yeah, yeah. and yet, you know, he doesn't going to call her names. He's not going to post it on Instagram. He's not going to put it, you know, in the newspaper or whatever. Um, he he's gonna he's gonna separate from her quietly. Yeah, which and- is what. The Bible says it's honorable. Yeah. Understandable, but yet he handled it in an honorable way, or at least was going to. Yeah. And in this day and time, women caught in adultery, I mean, some some were stoned. I yeah. mean, they were they were killed for it. Uh, you could make a big deal out of this. And he goes, I'm going to make a, a little deal out of it and, and just do the necessary whatever to, to part ways here. Uh, but then the angel shows up. Mm-hmm. And now he has another decision to make. Okay, so an angel of the Lord appears to you in a dream and says, hey, no, this is conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is not adultery. There's nothing going on there. Uh, This is something supernatural. Now he has to decide, is he going to live with the shame? Is he going to carry the shame of this? Because regardless of what reality is, people are going to look at him sideways. Yeah, and and they're gonna they're gonna fill in the gaps. Not everybody's gonna believe in Jesus, and and that that Jesus is uh, you know this is a divinely conceived child. And so in essence, he has to decide. Am I going to receive Jesus as my son? We have to decide, are we going to receive him as our savior? He has to decide, am I going to receive this child and and let him be part of my family and, yeah. and stay with, with Mary? Well, it's, it's a super, even though God's involved, it's a super hard, crappy moment uh, because it's this, it's this, right? It's, it's this tension because on one end, you've got this beautiful miracle happening. Mm-hmm. On the other end, nobody's going to understand it. Yeah, you know, one of the things, and I haven't thought about it before, honestly, even until this moment, I've thought about it in a different context, but not in this context. One of the things that God does for Mary and Joseph is he chooses one of Mary's relatives, Elizabeth, who we talked about last week in the sermon. Mm-hmm. She's old and God does a miracle and she's found with child. Mm-hmm. And so she's too old and, and Mary's too young. She's never been with a man and yet she's found with mm-hmm. child. And I, I talked about it uh, in the sermon last week. You know, there's this beautiful friendship, right? And encouragement that comes there. But I didn't think about it in the context of family. The fact that Elizabeth is in her family and experiencing a miraculous pregnancy mm-hmm. perhaps brings validity 
to Mary and Joseph and their families in this miraculous supernatural pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Now, very different. Mary was still a virgin, whereas Elizabeth was pregnant with Zachariah's child, mm-hmm. who was John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary was pregnant with Jesus, who's the son of God. So, so you know, a greater miracle, obviously, on, on Mary's side. But miracle nonetheless, and it could be God did a really gracious move there by keeping it in the family yep. to help Mary and Joseph with all the fallout of this thing. Yeah, because your support system is your family in this day and time. And so you're keeping your support literally. system. Yeah. And you have now, you know, a priest whose wife is validating going, no, this is this is legit. God's on the move here. Something's happening. And you had the miracle. Zechariah struck dumb mm-hmm. for nine months mm-hmm. and can't talk. So something happened in that temple, right? And, and now, wait a second. And now Elizabeth's pregnant and she's old, mm-hmm. right? Well, and the other beautiful thing that God did for him is uh, he put a prophecy in the Old Testament saying that, you a know, virgin that, yep, be born be of a child. virgin. Yeah. And, uh, and so now you have people putting these pieces together going, oh, Maybe there is something here. And and later on, you have wise men going, oh, there's something going on here. And people all throughout the story of Jesus, they start putting these pieces together that God didn't just surprise everybody out of the blue with this thing. Yeah, It actually had been a, a plan that had been in motion for millennia yeah. and had been unfolding. And all that pointed to this moment. And now the fulfillment starts to happen. But Joseph chooses to go, okay, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that thing that's been unfolding for hundreds, thousands of, of years as opposed to people going, man, you're a good guy. We like you. You know, he's going to give that up because he wants to be a part of something greater. Well, Joseph, by pleasing God, is disappointing people. 100%. You know, I, I said this a couple weeks ago when we started the series. Again, it's Christmas time. I got something, you know, no, nothing new, right? Um, and, and I always say that. It's the same players every year. Still Mary and Joseph and the wise men, the shepherds, and baby Jesus. Um, sweet little baby Jesus lying there in the manger. <laughs> um, we're so familiar with it. We've become unfamiliar with it. And I think there's this beautiful lesson with, with Joseph that he knew pleasing God would disappoint his daddy, which when I was talking about that a moment ago, that's a big deal. Would disappoint his mama. Um, would, you know, disrupt the town they lived in, you know, it's on the front of People magazine in that town, right? Mm-hmm. Scandalous. Um, and I, I think all of us from a practical teaching here, all of us need to realize that obeying God and pleasing God is going to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to decide what matters most in our lives. Um, Sometimes the applause of heaven means the booze of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that's in our own family. Mm-hmm. And that's what Joseph and Mary are dealing with. So, so they got help, right? God's gracious. And we got Elizabeth over here and there's the prophecy and all that stuff. But gossip's gossip, baby. And, and people always assume the worst, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. So today in our culture, let's, let's talk a little bit about culture. Because there's a season where people would look at America, they would go, hey, the culture in America, it's a Christian culture. Um, that, that day has come and gone. Uh, that, is, that is not the current reality. And there was a season where I feel like even though it, it wasn't truly at its core, By Christian the way, culture, it was gone 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So for those who are going, yeah, because of this election, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I'm talking. When they took prayer out of schools, that's a long time ago. You know, there's all <laughs> kinds of things that have happened. Um, and, and, and some of that even is 
is, is, is a farce. We'll save that for a different podcast. But this idea that all of a sudden we're not a Christian. No, we, no. Yeah, the culture war was lost a long, a long time ago. So, yeah, sorry, moving on. But there was a season where it, it kind of, okay, we could fit Christianity and American culture, and they kind of blended together. Yeah. They, they look similar and to have Christian ideals and, and to live in a somewhat you know Christian ethic kind of matched up with culture. Uh, those days are gone. There, there's definitely a fork in the road. We, we're well past that. Sure. Um, and, and so what, what are some ways today where, okay, if I'm going to actually really trust God, uh, what are some ways that, that we're going to disappoint people? What are some some of those topics, some of those categories, some of those areas where if we truly follow God in this area, it's going to be a departure from our culture? Does that make sense? Yeah. And and what are some of those areas that, that come to mind when you go, okay, if we truly choose to follow God, we're, we're going to disappoint some people in these areas? Yeah. Well, let me make it even worse. Bring it. Because there's a religious side to that. Mm-hmm. And there's an irreligious side to that. Okay. So, so here's what we do at Sun Valley. We disappoint people on the religious side of those things. Um, there are certain things that people want me to rail against that I won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, either because God's not leading me to, uh, or I don't rail against those things. Because if I do, I'm scaring off the fish that we're called to reach, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jesus said we're fishers of men. We well, don't scare the fish away. You you bring the fish in so that you can catch them, right? And and their lives be changed. So we offend the religious people because mm-hmm. there's that culture, and we also offend the irreligious people because there's that culture. So so there's this. Um, I don't mean to say right and left because that sounds political, but I'm using my hand, so I have a right and left hand here as I'm talking if you're just listening to the podcast. But but we offend religious people and irreligious people alike, which, which quite frankly is exactly what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He was an equal opportunity offender. Um, we're going to offend religious people when we say, I talked about a moment ago, everybody's welcome at Sun Valley. Mm-hmm well, wait a minute. Well, what if they do this? What if they do that? What if they're obviously this? You know, would we still welcome them? Everybody belongs at Sun Valley. Now, not everybody can shepherd. Not not everybody can be a leader at Sun Valley. Um, But everybody can attend Sun Valley if if they don't have a false agenda and they just want to know what the Bible says or Mm -hmm. what Jesus thinks about things. Mm -hmm. And yet there is a group of people on the religious side of things, that's offensive to, uh, because they're this idea that we need to protect ourselves from the world, which is not what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to engage with the world so that we can rescue people out of darkness into light. And when we do that, we offend religious people. I'll give one more example, because this may or may not be clear. If I went to another country, mm-hmm. I, don't, I may have given this example on a podcast lately, I, I don't recall. If I went to another country and I made friends with the witch doctor, did I talk about this on a podcast? I don't remember. If I Maybe. was a, if I was a missionary in some South American jungle and I go into the tribe and I make friends with the rich doctor, right? To to win him over to Jesus. All the religious people are excited about that. The witch doctor. They, they, yeah. yeah. Oh, You're a missionary with, yeah. in that tribe. Religious people would go great. Go chat go. Yep. But if they found out and and I don't have this relationship. I'm picking a a theoretical relationship here. But let's say um, I'm the I'm the lead pastor at Sun Valley Community Church, and you found out I was best friends with the president of the Gay Alliance. Mm-hmm. They'd all be pissed off. Mm-hmm. And here's my question: What's the difference? 
I can be friends with the witch doctor, but I can't be friends with the president of the gay alliance. Well, here's the deal. I'm representing Jesus to both of those people. Mm-hmm. But on the religious side of things, of people we have offend, there's rules in American culture that you can do and not do, and it's irrelevant, and it's not biblical, and so we offend those people. Thus, I hang out with sinners, and I will continue to do so. It doesn't mean that I'm sinning. Uh, it just means that, like Jesus, we want to be the friend of sinners. So let's offend all those religious people over there. Mm-hmm. Flip side, irreligious people. I'm friends with the president of the Gay Alliance. And he comes to me and says, Chad, you're a pastor. We're friends. Will you do my wedding? I'm going to say no. And when I say no, I'm running the risk of offending him. Mm -hmm. And he's going to say, well, why would you say no? I thought we were friends. And I'm going to say, hey, man, because I believe not in just legal marriage, and I think you should have the legal right. That's you. Mm -hmm. And this is a free country. And yes, I think you should have those rights. But my right is... um, I believe the Bible teaches what I'm going to call sacred marriage. So there's legal marriage and sacred marriage. And sacred marriages are the kind of weddings that I perform. Uh doesn't mean the people in them are sacred. It just means this is God's plan for marriage. And that's between one man and one woman for life. Now, here's the deal. If I have loved that person well, I can disagree and hopefully we can still be friends. But I run the risk of offending our culture both the religious people by making the friendship and the irreligious people by being unwilling to fulfill that request. Mm -hmm. And then here's Jesus in the middle, full of grace and truth, which is always a tension that has to be managed. Did I make sense in all that explanation? So bottom line, you're for offending everybody. That's kind of the, yeah. I am. And I'm for doing that. And here's, here's what really matters in the context of grace and truth. Does God love the president of the gay alliance in this theoretical Mm -hmm discussion. Absolutely. Jesus died for that person. I'm going to befriend that person in Jesus' name. But it doesn't mean I'm going to do everything he wants me to do. Uh, Does God love the religious person? Absolutely. Did Jesus die for the religious person? Absolutely. But I'm not going to do everything the religious person wants me to do. Because the truth is, both groups are full of sinners. Mm -hmm. That's right. And Jesus says, it's not this way. It's not this way. I'm the way. All of us have to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus as we learn the truth of Scripture and surrender everything in our lives to him. So all of us are surrendering preferences and all those kinds of things because of who Jesus is. And so we die to ourselves and follow him regardless of which side we're on. Yeah. But he's an equal opportunity offender. And that's a great point. God loves the witch doctor. God loves the president of the gay alliance. God loves Chad. God loves you. Uh, God loves everybody. And the reality is all of us are sinners. All of us need a savior. All of us need rescue. And and God offers that through, through Jesus, that he was perfect where we couldn't be perfect and he offers us life. And then in that, we begin a transformation from the inside out through faith, not yeah. because of what we've done, because uh, all of us are on the same playing field. Absolutely. So religious people get offended by people who sin differently than they do. Mm-hmm. And irreligious people get offended by the idea of sin. Mm-hmm. So both are offended and we've got to manage the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And we all need a savior to your point. You said that very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's all grace. And all of us need Jesus. So, no matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, God loves you. Whether you're very religious or whether you're very irreligious, uh, the Father loves his children and his love is offered to all. And if we'll just receive that, then he'll begin to teach us and guide us and we trust him. So, and we're all on that journey together. Yeah. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to us so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you left us a review or shared this podcast with a friend. Doing that will help us reach and help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you're always welcome to join us online or in person for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc. Thanks for joining us.